Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy, I need no sympathy. Because I'm easy come, easy go, little high, little low. Any way the wind blows doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> I'm listening to that and I'm just thinking that's exactly the construction life, man. What we yeah. all go through. Thanks, Luke. I know yeah, it was no painful, problem. but that was actually pretty <laughs> fitting, man, for a Saturday morning. Uh, Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody, man. Thank you so very much, man. It's great, great song, great band. Well, welcome to the show, man. Thank I, you. I know that we were chatting quite a bit, and then we, well, we met through DMs on social yeah. media through Phil and Heavy Duty Homes and everything, and um, so we're, we're gonna talk about where you came from, how you got started, and the connection to Heavy, and what's going on in your neck of the woods, and what's happening, and stuff like that. So sounds good. Should be good. Should be good. Look, uh, Luke Durward, right? Yeah. Uh, and your, I guess, official title, Site Super. Yep. Junior site super handyman with heavy duty. Yep, okay. combo of the two. Basically, jack of all heavy duty homes. Essentially, that's essentially it, right? Uh, and everyone, when things need to get done and it's not big enough to pull the taper in or the the framer, then you that's take care of it. Yeah. And there's always there's always a little thing to be done. There's always something, and there's always a hundred drywall patches. <sighs> I would love to have a job. I never had one of those jobs. Maybe Phil will have a job. Maybe other GCs will have a job where we do not make a hole to make a modification when it, we're at the finishing stage. It's from changes and missing things. I don't think it exists. There should be a plug here, but uh, the border didn't cut it out. Or yeah. I think so. But you know, what they need to do is before we put up the board, walk around with a video camera. Well, we had iGuy boys on the show and we were showing that. And is that what they do? Yeah, so yeah. they have the, the scanning. So you can scan it at any time of the build yeah. and then their software, um, it stitches it together. Right. So yeah, you can perfect. literally go at any time and go right. It's not about having thousands of photos. You can yeah, just yeah. go at any time and they, you can already tell them, okay, so what was in this wall? Right. So it's actually a really cool tool. But um, I think I had a chat with Phil about that, but. Yeah, yeah, I know. Very useful. Even just like blocking when I'm putting up like mirrors and stuff. Exactly. What I do is like when I go do blocking, I'll take pictures. Well, I'll do my blocking and then I'll write like on the bottom of it. Let's say it's a two by eight. I'll write 39 inches on the bottom and then at the top is 43 inches or whatever it is. Or and I'll take a picture of it. On your phone? Notes? On the phone and then I'll put them in the app that we use. It's clever. So then if I'm the one doing the blocking or if uh, our other site super is doing the blocking or the like the hanging of the stuff, then they can see the pictures. Because even without having the conversation with the client, you already know this conversation is going to have yeah. happen later on. Yeah. Well, we, we, we're usually the ones putting that stuff up and they're just supplying it. So we're just kind of guessing like, okay, we're thinking, you know, a normal size mirror is going to kind of be around here or the, yeah. the light or whatever, yeah. or the towel bar. But well, any good builder doesn't live off of anchors, yeah, or wall plugs, yeah, or can't. butterfly clamps. They're, you know, the big ones like the toggles, the snap toggles. Those are really good and certain. Like if, if you can't hit it, yeah, if you can't hit a stud or blocking, then they'll work for like a, a toilet paper holder and whatnot. But they'll fail too. But yeah, uh, <laughs> all right. Let me do a quick shout out. I got Joseph's hoodie on uh, from JD uh, Building Group. Thanks so much. Unleash your voice on the Construction Life podcast community. Are you passionate about the world of construction, trades, and all things building related? The Construction Life podcast wants to hear from you. 
Leave us a review, share your thoughts, insights, and experiences on your favorite podcast channel. Your review fuels our mission to create engaging and informative content for the construction community. Your feedback is the mortar that holds our podcast together. Share your thoughts, rate us, and let the construction community know why the Construction Life is your go-to podcast. Visit our website and check out the nearly 500 tradespeople and construction professionals listed on the site. Connect with all of them. Check us out at www.theconstructionlife.com for additional content, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and valuable resources. Dive deeper into the construction world with articles, guest profiles, and more. Follow us on Instagram at TCL underscore The Construction Life. Follow us on TikTok under the same handle and tweet us at TCL Construction. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out our link tree, and find exclusive discounts for listeners. Link is in the IG bio. Join the conversation on Facebook, the Construction Life community. Uh, and obviously, I've got a bunch of heavy-duty swag, which I'll be wearing, and you brought some more stuff that's I'm probably going to be wearing on a future show. Uh, you can find Heavy Duty Homes on IG under Heavy Duty Homes, Inc., and you can also find them online at heavydutyhomes.com. And to reach, I guess, Phil is is heavy at heavydutyhomes.com, and then yeah. to reach everybody else, I guess, is info, and then you can go through the whole design process from there, right? Yeah. What's your, you don't want to share your email? Uh, my heavy duty homes one is Luke okay, at so heavydutyhomes.com. Okay. And that's it. So uh, you're a young guy. When did you get started in construction? I uh, would say two years ago. You're a brand new guy. Yeah. Coming from the fitness thing that you were mentioning? Yeah. So I had a smaller type gym for seven years. I went to university for kinesiology. Okay. Never had any thoughts of doing construction or anything. So I went for that. Started a gym. I did that for seven years, and then COVID happened, and it was roadblock. Yeah, each each lockdown, it was basically like right before COVID happened, the gym was doing really well, and I was I was working seven days a week up until that point, and that was going to be the summer that I was going to hire somebody to help me. Then that happened, and that basically ruined those plans, and it was what was there four lockdowns? Every lockdown was a stupid I would lockdown. lose more members. You know, normally, the gym you you lose like. A member or two every month, but you gain three or four, right? Yeah. This was the opposite. It was like every every lockdown, it was you lose 10. And then if people's memberships were coming up, they weren't renewing. So you just lose more. Because they were modifying. Yeah. Like what you needed was, um, and we don't even have this, you needed a bunch of politicians that were health conscious and realizing that yeah. keeping the gyms open was beneficial. Yeah. Health was beneficial. Well, even the, that's an argument that the regulations on that were kind of dumb. Like myself with a, I think my gym was like 2000 square feet, same regulations as a good life. That's 50,000 square feet. Everybody you could have during one of them, it was like, you could have 10 people max. Didn't matter what the size of your gym was. That just made no like sense. I could have done a lot of my business was personal training. Yeah. So I could have easily done like two or three one-on-ones, but no. And you could have sustained yourself yeah. and it would have been. So then basically because of that, you had to close up. Yeah. We had to work out outside in like October, November. It's freezing, raining. Every, every class we'd have to open up the garage door and bring the weights outside and then hope there was enough light to, to keep working out because there's no, no lights in the back of an industrial unit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. How did you meet Phil? Or how did, Phil was Instagram. I met Phil through another Phil. Okay. I met Phil through uh, PML Plumbing, Phil. Okay, yeah. Um, I had same same as as you. I just kind of like saw the stories and saw the whatnot and interacted with the the plumber, and then eventually he said that he was doing all the plumbing for heavy duty. 
started following heavy duty, commenting on his stuff and just small interactions back and forth. And then, uh, Phil the plumber, we kind of became friends on there and he had mentioned that heavy duty was potentially looking for somebody. Yep. And at that point I had no interest, honestly. Um, did was, you have any interest like thinking, how do I go from speaking with people about health and fitness and maintaining a lifestyle to getting into construction? But me, at that point I was already in, you were already in, I okay. was already closed the gym at that point. Oh yeah. So I closed the gym down and then started doing like my own handyman stuff. And I did that for a year or a year and a half, just like by myself, little things that came up and yeah. people were reaching out, small stuff, whatever I could, if I could learn it on YouTube or if it was something that I felt confident that I could do that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and then, then I met, you know, the plumber at one point, then I met, uh, Phil heavy duty at one point through that. Um, and then the, the real way, like I actually first met Phil from heavy duty was I was planning on doing something on my Instagram where I kind of, you know, went around and interviewed people that I thought were doing really well in the trade, just doing kind of like a, why are you successful? And you know, how do people smart become like you? Right. Like that. So he was the first one I did. So okay. I, he was the only one I did cause then this happened. Right. Yeah. So I messaged him and I said, Hey, I want to do this. And, and he messaged back like right away. This was probably like on a Friday. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So I said, okay, let's do, you know, Sunday morning. Where do you want to meet? He, had, he was putting the model home together at that point. So we okay. met at the model home. Um, but I was uh, working for somebody else just for like a month or so right then. And um, as a handyman kind of um, capacity? I was helping the guy do tiles. All right, so you're not doing a handyman. Okay, you're doing more. Yeah, yeah I, was doing, I was doing handyman stuff up until that point. Um, so originally when I first started, I did some handyman stuff Then I had an old gym member who was a GC finished a basement with him. Okay. Then for an, probably nine months, just did handyman stuff. Then went back with him to frame a basement. And then it was like Christmas time and I kind of messed up the scheduling and it's, you know, it's Christmas. It's hard to schedule things. So I didn't really have anything lined up. So then this other guy reached out and said he needed help with tiling. I thought it was going to be like a one or two week thing. Turned into like a six week massive like basement of a mansion. We basically subway tiled, I don't know, a thousand square feet on the wow. walls. Okay. Anyways, that ended up not working out in the end, but um, but you learned. I learned. I did a lot of subway tile, so that was good. Did I learned you how to do, do a herringbone subway tile. No, I didn't. It's a pain in the ass. Sounds horrible though. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, but. those ones were bad enough. The only good thing is. Th I guess the tiles they ordered, we actually ended up getting bigger ones, bigger, longer. So that was nice. Uh, just uh, lesser two evils. It's yeah. almost just the same yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah, I know. Did a little bit of uh, Schluter, Curdy at that point. That was the first time doing it like that. So that was good because I, I would never have done that stuff on myself because I wouldn't yeah. want to have to deal with having, you know, doing it wrong and, and having a leak in somebody's thing. And, yeah, it's just an expensive mistake, right? And he was a good teacher? Pretty good. Pretty, okay. All right. This <laughs> is good enough. That. No, you know what? At it's the just, start he was. No, and that's what it is. Is like, um, I think good tiles that teach bad become tile bad tile setters. I, I think the problem was, like, I, I really hate learning from somebody that's not an expert in that thing. Like, if you're not I know a you tile mean. guy needs to teach you how to do tile, right? And he was yeah. a GC. For being a GC, he was good at it. 
but he's not a tile guy, so he didn't know like the efficiencies and like yeah, stuff like that that the tile installers would. Yeah, and yeah. Have and I don't want I don't want to talk about him too. No, much, no, so. no, no. <laughs> but, but it's just like I, I I see that stigma attached to that one trade. Yeah, it's just either they're not willing to properly teach or yeah. willing to, to kind of have the patience to teach properly, right? Yeah. And that's where I think it's a fault because you, you're you dismissing somebody that has potential. Yeah. So you might as well just like sit back and go, don't worry so much about your business and realize that there's maybe potential in this individual that's working with you. Right. right. And I've seen it. I've seen it over and uh, so many times on different trades, right? But it's just, uh, but at least you got the knowledge out of that and then yeah. moved on from there. Right? It was a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so... Right around that time was when I decided to do the Instagram thing with Phil. Okay. So I set it up for Sunday, and this was like Thursday or Friday. He said, hey, give me a call. I got to ask you a question. So I said, okay. I gave him a call first time talking to him. He goes, hey, Sounds so. Sounds serious, man. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what he wants, but I gave him a call. He says, hey, so uh, other Phil, Phil, uh, he doesn't like being on Instagram and whatnot. RPM. Okay. Yeah. Basically, you know, saw that you're in the schedule for Sunday and we just lost our handyman and we're looking for somebody else. And I guess I was one of the two or three that he was kind of looking through and he was going to give me a call. Yeah. So he thought I was, you know, coming in for an interview. He goes, why, why am I on the schedule and whatnot? So he said, you know, are you interested in basically doing some work for us? At that point, I was working with this other guy and things were going okay. And I said, no, not really. I'm not really looking to do um, any smaller stuff, like the handyman stuff, right? Yeah. I was kind of trying to get into more of doing, you know, some bigger projects with other people. Um, I said, no, but, you know, on Sunday when we do our interview, we can talk after. Okay. He said, okay. So I went to his uh, model home, did the interview, talked for like 40 minutes. And then at the end, I said, I brought it up. I said, you know, what's the handyman thing? So he kind of kind of went through it and said we lost our guy it's just a little bit too far for him and we need somebody to do some work i said okay and long story short he said it was part-time i said i i need full-time like i'm working full-time right now so for me to leave what i'm doing with this other guy right now it needs to be full-time so he said okay we can make it work i had to kind of push him because i think when i originally said i'm not interested he kind of took that as i said it right yeah, yeah. so i would ask him a bit about it he would tell me a bit and then i said then i would ask him more and eventually got to the point where I said, I'm interested, let's talk. So we met at the shop, I don't know, a day or two later, and that was it. And that was May, years? May, no, this is this, I've been there with them only 2023, around okay. May, All right. I think. Looking for cutting edge solutions for your spray foam needs? Look no further than Elasticam Specialty Chemicals. With a remarkable track record spanning over three decades, Elasticam stands as an industry leader supplying contractors across Canada with top grade closed cell, open cell and specialty foam products and accessories experience hassle-free spraying in both summer and winter with insulthane extreme canada's groundbreaking hfo closed cell product time is precious and we know it optimize your efficiency and avoid downtime by choosing the best products with the best technical and customer support elevate your spray foam game today with insulthane spray foam products by elasticam Give them a try today. Visit their website at www.elasticam.com or give them a call at one 877 Seven eight seven two four three six. Yeah, and so you've been on quite a few projects then. Yeah, and so you had a really good crash course of construction, real construction. Yeah, in Toronto area, Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a good builder. Yeah, and how's that experience been? 
it's been it's been great because like when I was doing stuff on my own, like I had nobody to teach me except for that one yeah. basement that I did with the one GC, which that was really good. Yeah, I learned a lot. But then in between, then it was just like I said, whatever I felt comfortable doing. Like if somebody asked me to rent out their bathroom, I wouldn't do it. I, if they wanted me to like, it, I would only do small stuff. So now working with heavy duty, I'm still not like I'm not renting a bathroom myself or anything. No, no, I'm no. just kind of going in and doing like the finishes or helping out the framer or doing just basically whatever needs to be done. And that'll be the odd thing that comes up and they'll be like, hey, I need you to go do this. I'm like, okay, I've never done it. How do I do it? Then they tell me and I say, okay, and then figure it out. You're, you're, but there, there's somebody there that I can, yeah, that's ask what I mean. Yeah. So you, I would say like you're the wolf of construction, right? And when I say wolf, I mean wolf from Pulp Fiction. Phil will know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? So you kind of come in, there's problems, yeah. and you can solve these problems with the people that are there. Yeah, exactly. That this is what's going to have to happen. Right. And so we can get this done and we get to the completion. Yeah. That's what it is. But it's, um, yeah, it's interesting that that's, you've got a good teacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and you've got a good team too because you can actually bounce ideas off of. And well, that's the thing. Like I can, if there's a plumbing thing, I can just call the plumber. Yeah. I say, hey, like this is happening, like, what should, what should I do? Or is this something that you need to come in and do, right? Or if it's just like a random like metal framing question, like I haven't done too much metal framing. Yeah, uh, stay away from All it. the metal framer. <laughs> stay away from it, man. Right? So. But I guess the real question is you coming from fitness and kinesiology, has Phil got you smoking cigars yet or what? Not yet. Not yet. All right. My wife would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it might eventually happen one day. And it's yeah. the odd one once in a while. We'll see what happens, but it doesn't. I'm not encouraging you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, last time I saw Phil, we were actually having a, a cigar. We were just getting together, and yeah. it was good. It was good to do that. But uh, um, I wanted to actually ask you: Are you conscious of? You got an interesting background where, and I was doing this too when I got started in construction, where I started paying attention to tradespeople thinking that they're super people, and they'll just do whatever they want, but they don't right. realize that they might be damaging their body. So you've got a, a health and fitness background. Are you being a little more vocal to the trades and going, listen, guys, just be a little more careful about this. Don't always have to carry that. Don't have to do that. Uh, I would say more to like training the trades, not so much to like the subs that we use. No, but I don't always see them, but our, the team, yeah. which like we have a small team. So I guess the one guy that we have is our general labor guy, Alan. So if he's like, he does a lot of our Ram board okay, and he'll do it without knee pads. I'm like, bro, here's some knee pads. Put them on, please. Yeah. Or he's got to cut something. I'm like, where are your safety glasses, yeah, man? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, I've been to the hospital twice with metal in my eye. I'm like, you don't want to. With or without goggles? Because I've been what, there with uh, goggles. One time with goggles. It snuck the right other around time, the corner, yeah. Yeah, the first time I don't think I had safety glasses on. I was using a, a Sawzall, I think, cutting through some deck boards. And I guess one of the, I hit a screw. And then I was driving home, and I'm like, my eye was watering. I had no idea what was happening. Get home, and my wife's like, there's metal in your eye. And then the next time, I think it was a grinder, but I was wearing safety glasses. So now I'll only use a grinder. Like, if I'm doing, like, a lot of grinding, I'll only use a face shield. Eyeball or iris the land, um, where the metal landed? It was in the white part, whatever that is. The eyeball, yeah. So yeah. My, mine was right on the cusp of the iris and the eyeball. So then... Yeah. My optometrist couldn't handle it. I had to go to a specialist right. to take care of it. But it was like such a tiny piece of metal, yeah, and yeah. I was grinding. Yeah. I was grinding off nail heads from to prepare for cistering. Yeah. So you had to get rid of all the nails there, right. so you could actually put the board in there properly. 
I had goggles on, but it just maybe it ricocheted off the back of the right. other joist, and then yeah. it went right around it. And then I felt that same thing. I was driving home, like, yeah, I feel something. Can't there. really tell. And you're rubbing your eye. Around yeah, and that's it's the worst thing. And, and I'm so conscious, like I just don't touch it. I'm like, yeah. I gotta just take the pain. And then, sure enough, by the morning, I wake up and my eyes bloodshot red. Yeah, and off to the doctor and start the races right. at that point. And then, but, and then it's always, oh well, it's metal. You know, it might rust. That's so the they thing. want you to come back and yeah, it just becomes a whole pain in the pain in the ass to then you know, take time out of your day to go see the specialist yep. and come back and so it's not worth it. So I mean you basically become a people person on site because off mic just before we got started we started talking about how you get clients coming in and they like stopping by. They yeah. like stopping by the store and checking out the dressing rooms. You know yeah. what I mean? And the problem is that the dressing rooms that were drawn are not always exactly what they see. Yeah. So now you're the only person and you could probably see the tumbleweed cross, you know, the, the job site. And you're like, they start speaking to you about changes, modifications. Yeah. And, but you guys have a procedure now, right? Which is really critical because it could get out of hand. Yeah. How it's, do you handle that? Most of the time it's, you know, they'll ask me something. Hey, can, I, can we do this thing? Or, you know, we're doing this. Can we also do this? And I say it's possible, but I don't know what you've discussed with, with our team. So... I have to ask them. I'm telling you it's possible, but I don't know if, you know, this might cost you money or whatever, but this is something you're going to have to, I'll have to ask my boss and then we'll see if we can do it. It's almost like you need a deck of cards, eh? And you're pulling out the dumb card yeah, because they're playing dumb. Like they don't oh, know yeah, that this uh, conversation has already been had yeah. or it's been hinted on an email towards yeah. either Phil or other Phil. Yeah. And then they're like, well, we already discussed this. Why are you discussing right. this with Luke on site now? Like we yeah. already, you know exactly where this goes if you want to make these modifications, right. right? But they play that dumb card. Yeah. Well, they know if they've done changes before, they already know that like a change is going to cost procedure. money, right? Yeah. I yeah. just wish like more and more clients would just have respect, I guess, for the process. Because anything's possible. You want to change anything? Yeah. Sure. It's just going to be time and money. Yeah. That's I had a client be. ask me the other day, hey, can you come do this? And I said, same thing. I'm like, it's better if you just go through Phil Games for this one. Because then, you know, he's my boss. He's the one telling me where, like, ultimately he's the deciding of what my schedule is. Yeah. Where I'm going. Like, I, I have the, the freedom to, like, depending on what's happening, like, if I have a couple sites that are kind of, like, the focus... Then I'll tell him, like, hey, I'm going here tomorrow. I'm going this, whatever. But then he'll text me and say, hey, I need you to go this day. You're meeting this guy, whatever. Or he'll make a change or whatever. So it's always it's always going to be up to, to them to yeah. ultimately say, yes, you can do this, no problem. Or if I'm like, hey, they want this, he'll either be like, okay, it's going to be a change order. Let me send an email. Or, yeah, just take care of it. I mean, a good construction company, a good builder, they're not doing this to be a dick. Yeah. They're doing this because they're planning right so they're trying to figure out sure you got a client and they want to make a change they know exactly what is how long it's going to take primarily they know exactly how long it's going to take and then there's a cost associated with it yeah. but it's reflected on the schedule because now they have to factor in other jobs that are right. going on so you don't necessarily need to hold the client hand and just go this is the reason why i'm asking you all these questions and if you want to move forward on this i'm not doing it to be a dick i'm not doing it to gouge you for money i'm doing it because i've other clients i have other projects that i got your project and i just want to get to the finish line to everything yeah that's all it is if it's like a, a two minute thing then i'll just do it but if it's something that's like if they all of a sudden want me to hang 20 hooks that's going to be a couple hours it's like i don't think i don't know if that was in your thing so yeah. let me ask 
it's like, hey, can you hang this this one hook? It's going to take me two minutes. Then I'll just do it for them. Clients but pretty much the same across the board. Doesn't matter if they're no young, old. Some are amazing clients that okay. you know. If I'll see something, let's say I see something on the wall that I'm like that needs to be fixed, and they'll look and they don't see it, or they're just like, I thought it looked fine. And then other clients will walk around like one foot microscope. Like, yeah, everything is a problem. It doesn't matter if you're like a young client, older client, immigrant client. Nah. Doesn't matter. They're all different. It's always a new game. Man, woman, young, old. Really, yeah? Yeah. It's good to hear that, I think. But then you guys get to experience different situations, right? Yeah. But then are you also, I think I asked Phil this as well, too. It's like, it's everyone's asking the same kind of design ideas, though. There isn't much. There's a lot of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody sees, I guess... Everything for sales else and yeah yeah everybody sees the designs on you know instagram and even on our page like you know they see something on our page that they like now they like that, we want that right so it's good and it's good and bad it's good because it makes it easier for us to you know we have extra handles yeah that are the same yeah take it from plus you learn the, the skills shop. that are associated with that yeah. task yeah. It's always easier. I've always joked about how whenever you're asking a client's asking you to build something custom off, yeah. and then you build the first one, and it took forever, and then all of a sudden you build the second one, it took a fraction of the time. Yeah. Well, that's the same as like just being a handyman. Yeah. It's like the amount of different tools I have, the amount of different things I have to do. It's, it's like if I was, like I'm good at drywall, but I'm not as good as somebody that does it every day, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I can do tile, but I'm not going to be yep. as fast. And I can do all of those things and and do them well enough that they're going to look good and and Phil will be happy with it and it'll look nice. The client will be happy, but it might take me twice as long, depending on what it is, right? But if, if you factor in the time that it would take the actual trade to come in, yeah. book it on their schedule, and then take care of it, sure, they might do it faster, but to fit it in their schedule and to get to that job site thing. will take longer. Yeah. So it's actually you're faster in the end, if you think about it. Probably cheaper too. Yeah. I would think. That too, yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, you're you're definitely right. Like we did a full um place in Toronto and we had an issue with a pocket door, if it was a change, I can't remember. But anyways, there was basically a, a double pocket door that needed to be framed and then drywalled after. Okay. Whereas the taper had already been there like a week or two before. This is after it's already framed and drywalled and pl- framed, drywalled and primed. Oh wow! Yeah, so and we, we added, added a that double pocket door. Yeah, so that had to. I framed that, drywalled it, primed it. Was it a single door being no, turned double. into? It was a double door. No, it was just an opening. Oh, it was just it was an, an opening. opening. Yeah, and then they wanted it to be a double pocket door. Op- okay. Yeah. Wow. And it wasn't even an opening like uh, it's commercial, right? So it was just open to the deck above. There was two walls on the sides, so we had to do. Some supports. Yeah, you had to rebuild put an LV all over top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big job. Yeah. On its own, it's right? It's fun. I like doing anything that's like anything involving an LVL is fun to me. Now that you're in construction, what are the things that you haven't tackled yet that you're curious about that you may have seen on drawings that I guess the main crew has um, tackled? Most of the things that I want to do, I have done i guess the thing that i've maybe seen on instagram on other people's projects would be any kind of like steel beams mm. haven't installed any of those uh, you don't want to they're heavy but other <laughs> than that i think i've kind of done everything that i 
really want to at this point. Like a lot of the trades I don't want to do. Which ones? Like I have no interest in like doing a large painting project or doing a lot of drywall or doing, I don't know, siding or any, I don't know, random ones. Yeah, that makes sense because they're all specialty trades. Yeah. Like they get set up, they, you know, assemble the whole team and then everyone knows what they're doing. And even in winter weather, Canada, oh, yeah, they're just so used to it. They just like, that. that's it. That's their day. They get started. Yeah. So they get out there and they're so used to doing it that way. But I like passing by and visiting and just being a spectator and yeah. realizing that I could actually hop back into my vehicle or yeah. I can hop inside and get warm. You guys are toughing it out, which is really hard. For me, there's there's things like I'd like to just have the skills yeah. so that I know, you know, what's happening a bit more. Um, but doing it, I don't really care to do it. Like, you know, if they're pouring concrete, like, I'll watch and kind of learn and whatnot, but I don't have any interest in pouring the concrete myself or finishing it. And there's no point. No, there's no point at that. Are you going to – are you are you in it for the long haul now? Are you planning on staying for a while? Are you planning on – Getting back into the health. I thing. have no no interest in going back to fitness. Really? Yeah. yeah not at all. Left a bad taste and. Uh, it's a lot harder to make money. Unless you're, I, I think the th- biggest thing with fitness, especially if you're like a small private gym, it's like a hundred percent to be successful. It's all about marketing and not so much how good of a trainer you are. Yeah. You can be a really bad trainer. Be really good at marketing. And you'll be swamped and charge 150 bucks an hour and whatnot and see it all the time. It's the perception. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you're a salesperson. The worst thing is even like, it's the same as construction. Like you don't know if you're not in the business, you don't know if something is good or not. Yeah. Like I'll see marketing from somebody else's gym and I'm like, this is a good promo video to the person that doesn't know what is fitness, you know, but I'm watching and I'm like, that's horrible. Like, what are you doing? Why are you using this as marketing? Like, it's really bad. But obviously, that trainer doesn't know either. Contractors, it's time to empower your business with Shelta Tech implementation. Shelta is offering a free meeting to tackle your biggest pain points head on. Their goal, to develop a custom company app that's built just for you. Their goal, to develop a custom company app that's built just for you. Solving your pain points, streamlining your processes, making your workday smoother. Here's the scoop. There's a $15,000 digital adoption grant available and Shelta is an expert at helping you secure it. This isn't just funding. It's your stepping stone into a new era of digital efficiency. By your second meeting, you'll get a tailor-made company playbook, a software prototype designed with your input, project tracking, real-time budget management, and daily logs all integrated into a single app. It's tech that works for you, not the other way around. Shelta isn't just offering tech. They're offering transformation. Join the community of 93 subcontractors who have already stepped up their game with Shelta Tech. Two meetings, countless opportunities. Ready to make a move? Visit Shelta.app. Let's pave the way to a smarter, tech-driven future. Shelta Technology, custom tech solutions for the modern contractor. Well, I mean, both worlds have a lot of noise. Like Everyone in construction on social media is always presenting their best foot forward. Yeah. But it's they're 100%. not really revealing... The leg, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're not really presenting what it's all really about. Yeah. And I can't stand that because everyone just wants to get the clicks and yeah. just like show this beautiful stuff. And it's the same thing in fitness world as well too. Yeah. That's the hard part about, I think, construction especially is not just showing the highlight reel. I've heard you talk about it before on yeah. the show. It's like, but then whenever I see somebody post like, oh, I made this mistake and this is how I fix it. 
I always, everybody likes those posts. That's, that's value the thing. There. And that's the thing. Everybody's learn. afraid to post those. Like yeah. I barely ever post anything like that. Um, everybody's afraid to post those, but then once you do post them, then people appreciate it. But I think it's not so much about um, you being afraid of your like colleagues in the trades saying like what what happened. It's more like you don't necessarily want your clients to see the the mess up because you don't know if they're going to understand that that things do point. happen like that, right? Yeah, it's a good point. It's more about not scaring your clients like, oh, they messed this up. But then they fixed it, but they first messed it up. You know, whereas trades, we all know that things get messed up. They don't go as planned all the time. And it's not like if you're good at trades, it's not that you don't ever mess up. It's that when you mess up, you know how to fix it. Right? But that's trades. That's, that's it. That's the... That's the uh, the excellence of a good builder. Yeah, where nothing ever goes perfectly. There's Never. no single job I've ever heard of ever going perfectly. Yeah, it's how you react to what goes wrong and how you fix it. But you're 100 percent right on. Clients don't even want to have that conversation. Think that they messed up. Yeah, like I don't know if you're you remember OCC Orange County Choppers. With oh yeah, the whole family, right? Yeah, yeah, I would watch that, and they would make so many mistakes, but. If I was a motorcyclist enthusiast, I would never buy a bike off of them because I saw the mistakes that they made right. that they shouldn't have made, but they did it for maybe TV drama just yeah. for the show purposes. Yeah. But I mean, the quality of the bikes, I was like thinking, mm, I wouldn't want one. I'm watching this because it's a car crash, right. but I wouldn't want one of those bikes. And I guess there's a fine line as a builder that how many mistakes do you want to reveal and right. how you solve them? Because a client will automatically just assume, well, I don't like this builder because they're making so many mistakes, even though they're solving them properly. Yeah, I think you have to kind of pick and choose. Yeah. But it's, it's again, a highlight reel of, like, this is my highlight mistake, right? I made this small mistake. It's not a big deal. This is how we fixed it. As opposed to something else, it's like, well, we kind of fucked this one up. But then, you know, you fix it. And in the end, everything is perfect. But there's two kinds of mistakes, and when I say that, I mean like there's the lazy mistake yeah. and then there's the actual mistake. Right. And when I say the lazy mistake is that if you maybe have hired the wrong subtrade to do something and they just went the easy route yeah, yeah. and then it became a mistake and then that could have been avoided if you did it the other way, which right. maybe not have been a mistake. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a good point because clients just want to see the pretty pictures. They just want to know that every build, they want all the builders to be perfect. And I'm yeah. like, that's not reality. Yeah. I think like, in terms of Instagram and marketing, like mistakes are good if you're trying to have tradespeople follow you, but mistakes aren't good for clients following you. We, um, to a degree, I'd love to get your opinion on how, because I know that there's a lot of builders that will refuse to ever just deal with social media, yeah, and they don't want to post anything on social media. And then it's also the same thing when I've had some builders, I've had conversations with them about coming on the show. And they don't want to come on the show because I don't. I think they're a little nervous about if they say something a certain way, the client, a future client, might perceive it a certain way. Right. So then they think of it as a negative. Do you think it's just better just to wipe out this whole social media side of things and just go right back to word of mouth building, where you met somebody, handshake, talk about it, see the personality, the character of the individual, and then start the process of hiring that person, and then eliminate the whole visual social media side. No, I think it it should be the opposite. Okay. Um, example would be Phil. Like he's got a like his personality is you know it's it's him. It's him. That's right? he's very authentic. It, that's right? him. Yeah. So the clients that are going to see him on Instagram, they're already going to kind of know what the, what to expect. They know he's a 
biker and he likes cigars and he gets things done. Yeah. And like he doesn't take shit. So I think Instagram, it's a, it's a way of like the biggest thing in marketing is, is you don't, you don't market to everybody. If you market to everybody, you market to nobody, right? Yeah, so it's the same, same as Instagram. If you don't show your personality on social media, then you're going to get everybody, right? But if you show your personality, like, I don't take shit, like, then you're going to get people that are already expecting, like, this guy doesn't take shit. Like, he's yep. he's going to get it done. So I think it's it's a way of even weeding out clients. It's a and, great way to vet. And, and people that are afraid to, to not show their personality, then they're going to, you know, and basically they're afraid of losing that one client. You might lose one client, but you also might gain three clients that like your personality for that exact reason that this other person doesn't like you. Yeah. These three people might love it. Yeah. That's no, exactly what point. they want. Yeah. No, it's a totally, it's a, it's, it's a good point because now I think you just find your right clients. That's all it is yeah. because everybody's always asking me like, how do I expand? How do I attract? How do I, I, I keep telling everybody just be as authentic as you possibly can. Yeah. Like, why do you want to be a caricature of yourself when you could actually just be yourself? Yeah. And then you'll attract those people that want to work with you and then continue being yourself. Right. Yeah. Cause if you fake it, you're going to get, you'll get caught you're out. Gonna get, you're going to get clients that are expecting that personality. That's not really what you want to be. Yeah. So it just becomes harder. I mean, what do you, what's your perception of the, of the trades them, themselves? Just a whole industry. Are they, are they upholding the stigma of a tradesperson? When I mean that, is just like rough and tumble, dirty. They just come in, punch the clock, get it done, move on. Some do. Some, some it's some. They're don't. there, right? Yeah, they're for sure there. Like we've dealt with it ourselves. Like you get somebody in, and like you know, if we're trying out a new whatever trade, try them out. They come in. It's like, what is this work? It's not good, and and the person that you sent is like, they get their their pants around their you know around their ass, and they just doesn't look good, right? Yeah. And that person's the one going into the client's house. They're a reflection of the business, exactly. So yeah. yeah, they're definitely there, and I wouldn't say it's everyone for sure. Like I think uh, the perception is probably mostly wrong like if you go into a client's house i think you've talked about this before too you go into a client's house and like you need to use the washroom yeah and they don't want you to use the washroom right yeah, yeah, yeah which like you know some people make a mess which i don't ever understand in a washroom but most people are going to be respectful like it's their own house you know i guess it depends on the person completely it's that uh that whole washroom thing is weird because i've seen trades people that will just refuse to use a porta potty yeah on site and then they'll go to a local restaurant or whatever coffee shop and i'm like in my opinion the porta potty is probably a lot cleaner cleaner <laughs> yeah like you know maybe if you go to that coffee shop bring a black light with you and then you could actually see how clean that place is compared yeah. to a porta potty that's, that's getting cleaned weekly yeah by but someone the thing in. with the washrooms is like it doesn't matter if you're construction or office workers like office workers still make a mess in the washroom the same as as construction people yeah. or keep it clean the same as a construction person yeah but, Completely dependent on that person's personality. Yeah. But, it, yeah, okay, I, I agree with you that the, there is that. I think it's getting better. I would like to think that it's definitely getting better, the yeah. trades. Like, they, they want to have more of a 
a proper perception of themselves, right? They want to be looking better. They want to be professional looking, uniform, yeah. mindset, courtesy, like just be respectful of everybody's property, right? Yeah. But that's what you guys are doing too. And and you guys want to obviously expand your team and get more people into the team. Right. And then you want that reflection. You want those people to come in and, and I guess know that right off the bat, that that's what we're all about. Yeah. We're not, we're not asking to, to be like, we're not asking you to do something critically different. We're just asking you to be a little more respectful. Everybody just needs to be professional. That's, That's it. it. And and think about like the actual business they're working for and not just about like taking it easy and, and whatever. Like you're representing the business just like you said, right? You go somewhere to somebody's house, if you make a mess, like that reflects on the business, yeah. right? So it takes nothing for you to clean up if you made a mess. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're not an archer and you just made a mess, like just friggin' clean it up at yeah. the point there, right? Yeah. I think the thing is like there's so many employees of any business, construction, office, whatever. It's always like, uh, I always think like the better I do, the better it reflects on the company, the better the company is doing, the better like my position is going to be better. It so paid, like it, if you're always just like, oh, he's my boss, like it's not my money, can, you know, throw this out, it doesn't matter, it's not my money or whatever. It doesn't make any sense because then the business is going to be making less money and now they have less money to give you a raise yeah or set so a conversation you know? with you about advancements they're having a conversation about you maybe not coming back yeah. right which is a shame yeah like i worked with somebody at one point and um i went there and we were using nitro gloves yeah just for something right yeah and i'm like i told them i'm like hey like you know you can get these probably a third of the prices getting them at home depot right so i told them where to get them here he goes uh it's not my money. I don't care. And the next day he went to Home Depot, picked up a box and gave him the receipt. I said, this is stupid. Like we could literally get <laughs> three boxes for the same for price. For the same price. Yeah. yeah. But that's the beauty of being a good builder that you're aware of where the suppliers are for the best prices. Yeah. And that, but yeah, no, I know that mindset. I, I think the problem with that is like employees need to kind of treat it more like it's their own business. Like I have that for from myself. Like I had a business, right? So I already know like if you buy you know something that's a bit cheaper like it's it's helping your business right whereas other employees just treat it like it's not my money it's not my business so you have to kind of treat it like it's your business like when you're dealing with the clients like you have to be professional as if it's your business because you want that referral to come back it's the same with um it's funny you bring, bring this up because i just had this chat two days ago with somebody and he was telling me about somebody that he brought on and he was submitting gas receipts yeah and it was part of the course. Like, that's just, he had to use this gas, right, to get these leads and to do these networking and all this right. other shit. But the receipts were just climbing. It became like Mount Everest of gas receipts and then restaurant receipts. And then I'm like, dude, the reflection of return on investment is not there. Yeah. You're not bringing in the work for the amount of money you're spending right. on fuel and food. And that's a reflective of the company now. So now you got to start looking at it going, okay, fine. You brought in $5,000 worth of fuel receipts this month. Yeah. But I didn't see that value coming back at me. It's eventually going to get called out. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, and that's why I always say that you always have to hire people that care about your business as much as you do. I'm yeah, not which asking. Is hard. You, yeah, because then you're aware of all those expenses. Everybody has overhead, yeah. everybody has all these expenses. But the thing is, if you're just coming in and punching the clock, you're not going to last and you won't improve the business and then you won't advance. Right. 
I mean, you're you're in. There's two groups of people that come into construction. One is like life throws curveballs and something happens, and all of a sudden you get you you get an opportunity and you start working in construction, right? But then you have the other school where you got younger people just choosing to get into construction, but they just don't know how to navigate that path, right? Find the right builder, find the right place, or find the right school or whatever it is, right? You have any thoughts on how you attract more people into trades? Because I, I agree with you, the stigma is slowly disappearing. There's still the dicks out there that yeah. will keep that stigma going for a while. But the, for the most part, the industry is professional and there's opportunity. But I'm seeing that the younger people don't see the industry the way we see it and the opportunity. The hard part is just finding the right person to work for, I think. Yeah. Like I've worked for a couple different people and it's it's completely the company culture, your boss, like how they speak to you and and how they respect your time or like if they if there's an issue like if you fuck that something up like how are they responding to that like there's two different responses and and obviously if you mess something up it's your fault and you got to take responsibility for it yeah but if it's just like beating you down and like whatnot then that's no good so like the hard part is finding that that company and if you don't find the right one then Maybe it's time to move on to the next one and try to find somewhere else. Like eventually you'll find it. It took a couple from me, but I found the one and I don't want to go to another company. This podcast episode has been sponsored by Class and Bronze Limited, authorized Canadian and U.S. wholesale distributor of pagan heavy duty, high performance tile leveling systems and installation tools. Choosing to buy outstanding and beautiful tiles also requires buying exceptional tile leveling system. For hassle-free installation and an exceptional leveled finish, choose Pagrin. Imitate it, never duplicate it. Available at Amazon, select ProSol stores, and purchased at www.tilelevelingsystems.shop. You can also find Pagrin on social at Tile Leveling Systems and their website, www.pagrin.com. Even if I, like, we're looking at houses right now, my wife and I. If we moved far enough away, I'd have to find, you know, somewhere else to work. Her thing was like, should never quit a company that you like. Um, Smart. Based on like my experience of a company that I hate. So me liking my company right now, there would be like it would be stupid to ever leave that unless you like really had to. Like if I leave, if I you know we move two hours away, then I have to leave. That's it's a different right? situation. Yeah. Yeah. Unless but, that employer that you're working with is considering getting into a different market. Yeah. But that's that's a big step for that company to start advancing that way, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, with heavy, I, I know Phil was always conscious of kind of keeping a certain radius because it was more efficient oh, yeah. as a business owner, which made total sense. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. It's, it makes a lot of sense that you start factoring all that stuff in. But, I mean, back to the kids thing, you're right. Like, you, as soon as you go in, if you're getting the sense that it's not a good company to be with, you don't think you're going to learn. Because if you're asking really generic questions about how to improve, how to yeah. advance, and they're not interested in helping you out and doing that you're just hitting a wall. So yeah. it's either you stay there long enough that you'll just become one of them right. or you're going to have to leave and try to be better someplace else. Yeah. You have to find the one with the right personalities. Yeah. Like, and it might take a while. It might even take 10. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's not that you're just jumping ship. For, and I think that for all the young kids out there, don't always have the dollar value yeah. regarding the final decision on whether you're staying or going. Right. Because it's stupid to just be leaving a place for an extra dollar or two see if this other company might be better because I don't think that's going to be the smart move for you. No, like for me, especially having the gym, like I didn't make a ton of money, but I liked doing it at the time. Yeah. 
and it's it's way much like I, I would much rather make a little bit less money and be happy like wanting to get up and going to work or like at the very least just not hating to go to work like it's it's worth the pay cut to go to somewhere better that their personalities line up and and uh, especially like if you can see yourself advancing in the company or the company grows and, and your position grows with that kind of thing like that's big too right like you want to be able to see your future not just doing unless you really love doing exactly what you're doing you want to be able to see like what could you be doing maybe later on i haven't had this conversation with phil but i just assume i already know the answer i think phil's really good at balancing knowing the person yeah he's not looking at you like a line item on the employee list he actually has an understanding of you and your wife and your family situation and what you're planning on in the future. And I think he probably does that just himself. That's his nature to do that, yeah. where he has a vested interest in everybody's personal lives. But there's a fine line. He's not diving right in and getting himself completely involved with your, your personal stuff. Right. But he's doing it because it is a reflection of you professionally. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's how he is. Yeah, that's exactly how he is. Yeah, that's what I figured. He's and that's great for a builder to be doing that. Yeah, he's really good with kind of managing all personalities, even with like clients and whatnot, like we were talking before. Like, you know, some clients are not easy to work with, but he's always level-headed with them. Um, same with employees or like if, if a trade gets, you know, if they screw something up, he's going to get angry. But mostly like most of that vocalization is going to be like just towards the team, like just talking about it, basically yeah. discussing it. And then... He'll call that guy up and be like, hey, you fucked this up. Like, you need to go fix it. But he's not, like, screaming at them. No. You know? There's no he, there's no value in that. No, not at all. Which is a nice thing, right? So. The, the nice thing is that, you know, good thing in construction is that we don't have our thought bubbles. Yeah. Like, if we, if oh, we, yeah. all, if we all have <laughs> thought be bubbles, that would be a different story, right? Yeah. You'd have to build faulted ceilings to, to accommodate all everybody's thought bubble going on, right? But it's yeah. like if you keep a level head and just, sure, there's problems. It goes yeah. back to problem solving. That's what a good builder does and the team does. And you want the team to step up. Yeah. You totally want them, okay, yeah, sure, we fucked up. But how do we solve this now? He's good at getting across, like, that they messed up and they're like they, they can feel the weight of this whatever yeah. the problem is yeah. without like being a huge asshole about it you know so if he calls you and you fucked up like you know you fucked up but it's it is what it is and like you gotta fix it and he'll give you the chance or if it's been too many times then you're out basically but it's I mean, he does it in a very respectable way. A hundred percent. And I, I will tell anybody that's been in that situation because I've been in that situation several times is that fixing a fuck up is sometimes better than actually accomplishing it properly the first time. Why? You know what you I mean by that? that? Sorry? Why? Because you learn? Because you learn from it and you realize that you won't do that again. But the feeling, like everybody in construction gets a certain kind of feeling when they accomplish something. They pulled it off, like yeah. the pocket doors, the doubles, whatever. You did it for the first time. Like we always, there's always, there's always been lots of first times on job oh, yeah. sites. So you're always pushing designers, you're always pushing clients to try new ideas. But they're also really challenging ideas and sometimes they're difficult ideas. And if you fuck it up, but then if you fix that fuck up, it feels a lot better than you just doing it properly the first time. Because there's more value attached to that fixing part of it. Right. That's how I see it. Right. So it's no different than that mentality of like someone who's totally has been beaten down and left down. Them coming back up 
and being stronger is more respectful than just going through life and just climbing because yeah. you need the beat downs to come back up because you're going to come back further up yeah. further higher. The whole thing with that is as long as you learn for the next time. That's you. That's what I think it is, is that the fuck ups will learn. You'll learn and add more value to your skill set. So when, when a similar situation comes up, you're already anticipating how to handle it. Right. And you're now you're more professional is how I'm looking at it. But I think you have that school of thought where you'll get a trace person going, fuck, I'm never touching this ever again yeah. because it's going to get me down this path. And I'm like, you're missing an opportunity, man. You also know like how it can go wrong yeah. at that point. Well, that was the beauty of any, when I first got into construction and you see the old guys, their eyes are not wandering because they're old and they're just like, they're senile or you're thinking that they're not that's not the reason why they're doing it they're already almost like seeing the future yeah they see a b c something happens and they're like d is gonna happen right in front of our eyes i guarantee you but the young tra trades don't see that yet you have to experience that and learn from yeah it. i was gonna say experience is huge like that was the hardest part about doing like when i first started just being on my own like i had nobody to to really, bounce off yeah yeah nobody like immediate like i could ask somebody on social media and normally they would help but but going into it you, like you don't want to message that same person like every job you're on about something so experience is a massive thing which is that's been a good thing about working with heavy duty as opposed to myself because now i'm getting the experience of like you know we've done since i've been here maybe like five six projects and whatnot so getting more experience every time so now i'm learning like the one uh, commercial project we did, that was the first commercial one I did. So now I'm seeing all these things that happen, like things to think about for the next one. Yeah. Right. And that's just going to be lessons learned. Yeah. Which is really valuable, I think. Right. Um, any any cool things that you guys have pulled off recently? That we've done? Yeah. That it kind of stick out to you? Uh, I, I can't think of anything that's Any like cool kitchen shaker panels that you guys have done? No. No. What is it? The... White shakers that yeah, you hate. <laughs> Chantilly lace and shaker and ugh, fucking every client wants that shit, man. But I think we haven't done anything like extravagant recently, but everything's been well done, you know, really nice. The quality's there, yeah. Um, as long as the clients are happy. Yeah. Nothing I guess the, the most interesting thing is we did an addition with a huge pool uh, swim spa just at the back of somebody's house. Okay. So it's basically, I don't know if it's like a, a hot tub or like a, a lap pool something like that it looks it looks like a massive hot tub that's like twice the size of this room okay so we basically uh did a block foundation so that part is into the ground and then uh built an addition around it essentially so the whole back is like a just a swim spa area indoor indoor wow yeah. so it just looks like an extension of the house what was um i guess the hvac you got to factor in all the extra humidity and moisture. I'm not sure exactly what's happening because the the homeowner there is actually taking care of the HVAC for that. Well, it'd be a little bit of a red flag <laughs> going on there. I've, I've yeah. been in homes that have interior pools. Yeah. Oh, and, it's going to be a ton of humidity. Yeah, and I've yeah. seen the cause and effect of it. And I'm like, obviously, the HVAC person who did this didn't know hvac yeah. when it came to this level right that's like the olympics of hvac like you got to really be aware of what the, what to do there i know the homeowner he's not actually doing it himself he has an he's HVAC just guy it out. yeah so he's taking care of it normally we would do everything but i guess he came to it's us. just a movement of air like you have to have a serious amount of movement of air right. it's 
always going to be humid. In yeah, yeah, because that's that's where you, and and the materials that you're using, you have to be conscious of your wall materials and what's happening. And yeah, I think we use blue board on on the entire thing. Maybe. Probably, yeah, probably. But my biggest thing would be just movement of air. So you're gonna have a lot of grills. You're gonna have a lot of um, like you're gonna have a whole separate system just for that one room. That's yeah. and you have to do that. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. it yeah. won't last. Yeah. Right, you'll enjoy it for a few years, and then you'll start to see problems after that. Yeah, yeah, it's not connected to the the home HVAC like the. It can't be. No. Yeah, and I'm not even an HVAC guy. I just have conversations with HVAC guys. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Everyone's asking yeah. for these things, right? I guess everyone's also asking for. Um, they're just, I guess, they're making their homes better for themselves, health wise. Yeah. And they should be doing that because I think. I have a good one for you. What's that? So we just started a project before the Christmas break and really nice house. And we demoed all the floor, like brand new floor, brand new kitchen, like a year before we demoed all of that to put some new stuff in. And the whole plan was that they were going to underpin the basement, but that was going to be, we weren't finishing the basement yet. We're going to do it maybe like a year or two later when they had a bit more money to do it. So they started underpinning while we were there demoing or they started demoing the slab in the basement when you say they you mean the homeowners were doing that separately through they're using another company to do it so another red flag i know (laughs) they use a good company i get it but still but um anyway so they start demoing the slab and it was i want to say nine feet and they were going down to 10 feet because he wanted to do a golf simulator in there start demoing it Guess what they found underneath the slab? Well, it's either going to be water or a dead body. Another slab. Whoa. Yeah. So, like, I, I walked so in some, one day. Someone I, corrected something. I walked in one day, and I saw half the slab was gone. Then there was gravel, and then there was another slab underneath it. I'm like, what? why? was?" And it was, like, trenching some spots. I was like, why is there a slab above the original? Like, did they already pour this and whatnot? But the floor was lower. So then I found out that apparently the original owner of that house, I guess, the builder gave them an upgrade of nine foot ceilings in the basement, but they didn't want to pay the extra whatever, 50 grand or whatever to do that. So they said no, but it was already poured. So they then, the builder went through the hassle of gravel and do a whole new slab at eight feet. So What a dick. So the good thing is that they didn't have to underpin then. No, we're going to underpin one section because it's not quite 10 feet. Okay. But we're just doing like maybe like not even a quarter of the space that we were going to do. But the footings are already where they're supposed to be. So you don't have to underpin on the bulk of the like the perimeter of the house. Yeah, there's only like a small corner we have to underpin. So that's actually, you saved, the client saved a lot of money. So now the client has enough money to finish the basement. Basically. Yeah. What a dick. Or at least get it. Like I that, think we're going to frame the yeah, drywall or something. To, like that's more money. That's more effort to bring in gravel and yeah. pour another slab just to kind of like. You did it to say fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to pay for it, then we'll get rid of it. I'm going to spend more money mm-hmm. to basically just. A lot more money. <laughs> what a stupid move. I, he would have Great been a better though. builder if he left it that way and go, listen, I just threw it in. Yeah. And then they would have been like, oh, you're gold now. Thank you very much. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of that's the first I've never heard of that man yeah. happening. So that's the most interesting thing that's happened for sure. I've had plenty of jobs where I'm coming across, and all of a sudden, uh, 
you're finding like an inch and a half to two inches of a concrete slab thickness. Oh, wow. On a basement. But what's it supposed to be like four or six? Four. Yeah. Minimum four. This show is brought to you by Payne's Window Manufacturing. Window shopping revolutionized. Seeking top tier windows? Look no further. Payne's Window Manufacturing is the ultimate choice for custom builders, contractors, and homeowners. Visit www.paynes.com now to experience the pinnacle of quality and customization. Get your instant custom quote today. Elevate excellence with us, plus enjoy nationwide shipping across Canada and the U.S. Is that in a small house, at least, or an old uh, one? Or? No, it was a new underpinning, and then they poured the slab, and they only poured two and a oh. half. And, and, and then I said, listen... Let me just do some discovery holes here. And then I was literally, I was tapping the concrete. This is like a company that you paid I didn't for know your job to... I came afterwards, right? Yeah. So then they were like, we have some concerns about the basement. And I was like, what do you mean? And then I um, I started installing the walls. And I yeah. do the walls a certain way. And as I'm drilling, I'm like, why is this? This is, There's no way I'm getting older and stronger. Because yeah. I'm going through this concrete like, like nothing. Right away, yeah. Right? And then sure enough, I started taking a hammer to it. And I'm breaking the concrete. And I'm like... There's like two inches of concrete. You broke through the slab with a hammer? Oh, wow. So then I started going in different areas. And I'm like, it's consistent. This <laughs> whole thing was poured at a two, maybe two and a quarter. Wow. Which is not enough. And then it became a whole legal. And they, I go, you guys are dealing with this shit. I got nothing to do with this anymore, right? Yeah. I've given you the evidence. You take it from here. But someone poured this incorrectly. They didn't put right. enough, right? Whether they were trying to save money or they were just trying to get it back at the... The homeowner is that something that would have been in their contract that like yeah the no no and, and that said they showed it to me they were contract. supposed to do four inches or something yeah yeah right and, then and then here's the kicker it was radiant oh so i'm like radiant works on mass so now you're reducing mass and now it's thinner so it's like so supposed to be thicker to to what retain the heat more yeah so the idea is that the only way you fix this is you actually bring it up higher yeah which makes it correct but you can't just add an inch. I was going to say, you can't just add on to it, can you? Yeah, you can do that, but you have to add a three, four inch slab on top of that. So that's why it goes back to your story. Will it connect well like that? You would have to do a bunch of things to do that. But now you're risking damaging the radiance currently there. Right. But now you have to change all the stairs because right. your first, your last step or first step, how you look at it, the rise is off. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this one little lazy bullshit situation created a, a huge amount of problems. But that's just like, man, that's bad building at that Did you point. ever go back to that job? No, no, I was I was part of that job. Oh, okay. I took over that job and I was dealing with that. And I was basically Columbo. I kept on discovering all kinds of shit. And just to cover my ass, I kept on getting the homeowner going, listen, I can't be fully responsible for this. Right. And that, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Uh, there's movement here. There's movement there. Like there was a lot of things. There was, um, there was a beam. Talk about steel beams. There was a beam that was brought in and it was welded no point load on the welding joint and it was oversized to the drawing right and i see the drawings and i'm looking at the engineering specs and everything i'm like why is there such an oversized beam here when i say oversized width and height and length we had to bring the inspector in and they started questioning that we had to bring the engineers in now and started questioning that then we ultimately we found out that the builder had this beam from another job site and just wanted <laughs> to use it work. on this job so it wasn't even the beam that was supposed to be on that job. It was just being used as a hand-me-down from another job. Right. And then the way they put it into the house didn't really solve the situation. And I said, there's going to be a major problem right here. I'm not an engineer, but you bring the engineer. So there was a, a welded joint and no post under it? 
they just assume, I guess, you weld the joint, and it's now it's good. a continuous beam. Yeah. It's not. The engineer came in. He goes, we're going to have to add a whole weld yeah. a certain length right. on both sides of it. Just like some flat steel? Yeah, to solve this, and it became a whole But that beam was, was it lower than the beam beside it? It would, the, it's the conversation started because it was lower than the joists that were already installed. So yeah. now we had to, are we bulking this in or what's the story? Am I dropping the ceiling in to stay on this side? Right. Then I started looking at the drawings going, this beam's not right. Like there's something wrong with this beam. Yeah. And then that's how it started opening up the can of worms. Right. But I mean, that's what you happens when you hire the wrong builder and they're not in communication with you. Then you get homeowners. It becomes a perfect storm. You get homeowners making all these changes and they want to modify certain things. And it's a yes and no. You can modify, but there's limitations on how much you can modify when it starts, right. when you get past the point of structure. I was going to say, especially once you get to a point in the project. Yeah. Like when you already committed to where the stairs are going to be, you already committed to where there's not any walls. You already committed where travel paths of point loads are already happening. There's not much modification you can do. Yeah. You have to work with what's there unless you want to start spending some serious five to six figure numbers. Yeah. And take a bunch out redo it and then time as well too and then that's possible we can do it but i don't think you as a homeowner want to go down that path so yeah. we have to figure out what's the best solution here yeah everything's possible for the right amount of money <laughs> it's always like that i've joked about the cn tower moving it time and money yeah. and you'll get moved i guarantee you but no client wants to do that no you guys are always working with in-house designers uh, we have one in-house designer. Well, you've worked with other designers we'll too. We'll work with outside designers as well. Okay. But that's mostly like them bringing us a job. Okay. So that kind of thing you start, but yeah. then you're just, you're, you're building relationships at that time. Yeah. You're getting other people coming in and, and yeah. then you're working with other people. Yeah. We'll happily work with outside designers that are bringing us jobs. And then, you know, it's, I'm sure it's mutual. I don't know the exact ins and out of that, but we have like, if, if we have a job, we have our designer that we'll use. Um, but we'll also be the contractor for other designers as well. But it kind of makes sense. It works that way, yeah. right? If, if there are any other designers that <clears throat> want to work with us, I don't know how exactly how it works, but they can just send a message to Phil. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, they probably want to do that. I also get the sense that a lot of designers will, I think they do this all the time. They'll give you their cliff notes of what the client's about. Yeah. I don't get it. What do you mean? Well, I've got a client and then they'll start on this path of, well, he is and she is, they are, and start giving you all these negative points about them and what their expectations are right. and all this other stuff. And I'm like, how about I just discover that myself when I meet them and we start yeah, talking, yeah. then I get a sense of them because I'm not taking the job on until I meet them and I start right. talking to them. I've met you. You seem great. You've got some wonderful ideas and I'm looking forward to this project, but I want to speak to the end user to find out what they're all about, maybe even get a, a family family dynamic behind yeah, them yeah. right instead of having your version of what you think they're all about right because they could not get along with that person at all and you might love them exactly. it's like going back to the thing about showing your personality on instagram and yeah. social media and whatnot yeah well designers are really good at showing their best foot forward yeah right and they i have yet to see any designer talk about negativity regarding the construction process right they're always it's always about positivity job went really good Here's our color palette. Here's what we did. Here's our material palette. This is everything. And I'm like, yeah, what's, where's the, the communication part of things, right? right? Yeah. I've Maybe. seen plenty of design flaws, colors and whatnot. That, are you sure that matches? That's what they wanted. That's, that becomes a whole, maybe the reason why not so many designers want to come on the show, because I'll just, I'll ask some blunt questions about like, what's going on here? What's going on there? But yeah. I think a lot of designers, not so much builders, 
A lot of designers are motivated by, by portfolio. Yeah. Nice like, pictures. I think they're totally sick and tired of Shaker and Chantilly Lace, and they honestly want to try new ideas, but they're just not finding the right clients to try those ideas. Right. Well, that's the hard thing. It's like if you start a business fresh and you have, like, no pictures of your work, like, how do you get it? How do you start it? Right. Well, you start, I guess, remodeling your own personal home first or friends' yeah. homes. That's how I got started. Or you have to find that one client that's... Challenging. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, it's not easy at all. It goes back to what we were talking about, how, like, everybody always wants the same thing because they're not sure of how long they're going to be there for. They want to sell it. So then you could... I mean, when I look at MSL and all of a sudden I'm looking at uh, listings and I'm taking a look at homes, I'm like, it could be the same home over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. And I'm like, does anybody do anything different these days or what's going on? Yeah. But that's our business. That's how we... Uh, but, I mean, you also... I think that's also a fault on the builder. It's their challenge to keep on looking and networking and trying to put themselves out there to see if they can meet new people that want to try new challenges. Like that right. client who puts a, a, spool, a, a, a spa pool in there or whatever, and then they have a room. Like these are challenges. Golf simulator, these are challenges. There's, yeah. like, there's ways of pushing clients a certain way to get things done properly that will elevate your portfolio. It's as simple as... If you see something that you think is interesting, just proposing that idea to the client, maybe. Yeah. Say, hey, what do you think about this? It's my biggest gripe about Toronto, and I know that designers and architects have said it on the show, where it's like, it's the Canadian mindset, and which is really unfortunate because you get a lot of people outside of Canada moving here, and then they lose that mindset of trying to be creative yeah. where they came from, and they don't want to do it here on this land. Right which is such a missed opportunity, which you should be trying this stuff. But then they keep on, they have a friend who's a real estate agent and they keep saying, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. But we love seeing hidden doorways into powder rooms that are painted black. Yeah. Like we love seeing these little interesting things like bedrooms that are designed a certain way, headboards, integrated ceilings, integrated with headboards. Like we, we love seeing all these things and picking them and saving them folders into social media, but then we're not being given an opportunity to build these things. Yeah. And with buyers, there's some, you know, if you're going around looking at houses, some people can't envision. You see it on, like, HGTV. Somebody walks into this house. Oh, it's really ugly green in here. I can't buy this house. Like, you can paint that. <laughs> like you can change what, what's there. It's funny you bring that up because I think I saw a post recently where a designer was talking about what 2024 is going to be all about. And it's just, they were just repeating, we're, we're expecting all of greens. We're expecting... Yeah, subtle blues. We're expecting all these tones, like and I'm like, how do you predict that stuff? Like, how are you predicting that? Because clients are not predicting that stuff. Yeah. I want to start seeing clients going, well, yeah, we're building a house and we're looking at olive greens yeah. and subtle blues. I go, no, you're looking at white shakers, Chantilly lace. Yeah, no, I, I. Everyone always wants to try ideas, new ideas, and get them out there. But uh, in the end, it's the client. Mm -hmm. That's all it is, really. But what's the one thing you don't like about the business? Uh. Traveling, traveling to jobs that are far. How far? Like over an hour? Yeah, over an hour would be not ideal. Oh, so Phil's getting a little further out of his circle now, eh? Well, I'm Vaughn Handyman for a reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't take All right, anything I out gotcha. of Vaughn, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was doing it on my own. But uh, now we have one job in Burlington right now. That's a bit That's of a, a hike. That's a butt, but... 407 gets us there a little bit faster. I haven't been there yet, but... So either way, you're starting your day with a travel or you're ending your day with a travel. Yeah. Like a heavy travel. Yeah. And the congestion up there is just getting worse. Yeah. As things grow. 
And just getting over there can be a little bit awkward. Like, I guess the 404 is there, but then you got to take 401 all the way over there kind of thing. City planners. Good luck on Highway 7. Yeah, like that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. City planners need to start understanding that adding more lanes doesn't solve the congestion problem. Yeah. That's not the solution. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> less corruption in government. That's a good start. I would do that. And then just through ways that are consistent. So yeah. if you literally want to go from one city to the next, there should be like just a tunnel of some sort. You should yeah. start planning that kind of shit. But then also other suggestions have been made on the show where collectors should be maybe just strictly for transport trucks. Right. And express should be made just for cars. Sure, separating the two because that's where you get inexperienced drivers afraid to be anywhere near a transport truck. Right. So then they start tapping brakes, which causes congestion. Like it's just they don't they just think let's add another lane. Let's yeah. just keep you on making a wider highway side. I remember highway side one was just two lanes. That's how far back it goes, right? Now it's like three lanes plus a blessed lane. Yeah. And there's still the shitload of congestion. Yeah. So it's proven that adding lanes doesn't solve congestion. And then as a tradesperson, that's what kills your business. Traveling. Yeah. Especially if you have to go get something from the store or you, you forgot Small to go item, get something. Simple item. Yeah. Like, and then you consume more time on the road than an actual task of taking care of the issue. Yeah. That's what kills the business. And then all your trades too. That's the other thing because they have to factor in their travel path. Right. Going from job to job and job, right? And then if they know that they're going to be spending half the day commute and not working, they're not making money on the commute. They're making money on the... Well, that's also another thing with like the trades with that that one double door wall that I did. It's like the guy lives up a little bit north and for him to drive to Toronto just to do like a half day job for him... He's going to push it off, push it off, push yeah. it off until there's It's not going to be a priority if he's got a whole house to do. Of course. Which just makes business sense. Yeah. At that point, right? Yeah. I guess Phil's got to get you down to Miami or LA. No, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Maybe at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he's getting a handy guy down there to take care of certain things. Well, I know the way it works there is we're not really allowed to do any physical work. I think we can supervise and manage. Yeah, that's how it works. Until yeah. you start getting, I guess, part of the licensing side yeah, of yeah, things, yeah. and but that like you said, it's hard to get work down, there. hard to get good workers down there, I guess, or hard to find them. Cool. It's not easy if you're not always down there. I'm, I'm assuming, which he is down there quite a bit, but well, it's a lot of yeah, which makes a lot of sense, right? But then you get those builders that basically treat it as if they're running a business here, where they're hardly ever on site. Yeah. And like Phil knows that I call them cafe GCs, right? Where yeah. it's just like they just, they got the job, they get the client, they do the work, and then all of a sudden they're never there. Right. They rely on all their trades. Yeah. And I'm like, but the trades have questions. Oh, yeah. And they need answers. And they don't want to do a task, and then it's not correct to have to do it again. If you work in the trades, maybe you're a plumber, a framer, or an electrician, you need to check out Black Ladder Workwear. Their work clothes are tough, functional, and durable, much like you might find in high-end outdoor gear, but it's designed specifically for work in the trades. They put a ton of intentional thought into their products, everything from knee pad inserts, zip-off utility pockets, and reinforced inseams. They've got it all. Visit blackladder.ca forward slash en forward slash tcl to learn more and take 15% off your order by using code tcl at the checkout. That's the hard thing about even even for myself, like working just working for somebody when it's not your own project. Yeah. It's like this is how I would do it if I was framing this basement. Like this wall, I would just 
I would do it six inches this way or whatnot. But now that it's for somebody else, I have to ask them what what their plan was or what the design is kind of thing. Right. So it's unless you have an actual like drawings for everything, sometimes it's left to like whoever the, the boss is or the designer or maybe the client mentioned something and it's been accepted by everybody, but maybe it hasn't got to site or whatnot or something comes up. Yeah. That's, I think that's probably the biggest thing is like something comes up, like you open up a wall and no, there's something there you weren't expecting. Uh, like I know how I would deal with it, but now I have to see. You need the approval. Um, how you want to do it. Yeah. Because right? it's uh, because you know that if you don't have that answer, then it's going to create bigger problems down the yeah. line. And that's just running the business properly. Yeah. Right? And like sometimes like I'll be at a job and there'll be things that come up and like most of the time I'll say, hey, like this came up, this is how I would do it. Most of the time the answer is just like, okay, if that's what you think is good, do that, which is good. But you still kind of got to ask just to make sure. Do you think budgets on the work that's being performed are fair? I think I'm the wrong person for that question. Uh, but you see the quality of the work and I, you see what... I see the quality, but I don't really see the the price. budgets and the prices for that's those what things. I'm, that's where I'm getting at. That I feel that the price is below the quality. It depends. I've seen some bad quality and some good quality. And, yeah, and yeah, I know, yeah. I know uh, like some prices and I've seen like the quality and I'm, that's really good. And then I can assume some other prices and, and, and say it's bad or, or I know some prices that, yeah, that's what the price is. That's expected kind of thing. Right. But for, for money wise, like in our business, I don't really know too much about it, honestly. So I almost never deal with any of the pricing. I It'll mean, be I, like the odd, I don't know, if we're in a meeting and there's a screenshot of some price, I'll see it, but it really doesn't make, doesn't mean anything to me because I don't know what the materials are or the how much we pay our guys or anything like that. So I just, I, I have yet to meet a client who actually says, yeah, that's a good price for that, what we're paying yeah. for. They always think it's always too high. I just get the sense that they always think that it's always just higher than they expected. Yeah. I guess once you're starting to charge like a good amount. Yeah. Even with cheaper people, like I, when I was doing my own thing, I went to this person's house and, and they had an absolute mansion and they just wanted me to do something very simple. And I was like 300 bucks. It's going to take a couple hours and they're just trying to haggle me down on price. I was like, I know it's not just just because you have a mansion doesn't mean that you're gonna just pay ridiculous prices for everything. No, yeah. But like this is just like a reasonable price. Yes, a and fair you're being price. Being extremely cheap. I just said I'm not gonna do it then, and they were like, "Oh, come on!" Just like there, it was kind of thing. I gave them a price of like let's say three hundred dollars. They're like, "Okay, what if you do it hourly?" I'm like, "If I do it hourly, it's gonna be more because I'm gonna charge you more per hour because I don't know how long it's gonna take." Yeah. So I'm just gonna over. I'm gonna guess, and add on a bunch. So. They, like, just, they just want to take advantage of this. They yeah. just want like whatever the cheapest as possible, but it's got to be done well. Wealthy people, modest people, struggling people. It's always just. Yeah. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, it doesn't matter. People that don't make a lot of money, like that's a lot of money for them. But people yes. that are wealthy, maybe that's why they're wealthy. But it, I mean, it's just I, I would love the industry to catch up with what the clients are asking for material wise. Yeah. Their budget and their eyes have always grown economically regarding buying certain expensive items to finish their home but they our wages are 
prices hasn't climbed the same mountain. You know I, what I mean? I think maybe it could have something to do with people that are working in working somewhere with that, that material is nothing. They're just an employee. They're making 30 bucks an hour. They're yeah. saying this is four hours of my time. Whereas yeah. trades people know that this is sure it's um, you've got material. Then you've got my labor. Then you've got me driving here, driving home. I have to go to Home Depot. I got to come back. You know, there's a lot of those things that are adding up that they're not seeing. They're only seeing you working for 20 minutes, yep. but they don't see you. It took you an hour to get there, an hour back. I had to go to Home Depot on the way. I already had this this thing in my truck, you know, this piece. I have this $500 tool to do it. They don't see all of that stuff. No, they, they just don't. see the 20 minutes of it, like you turning a wrench or whatever. You just don't I guess you don't answer it. You're just like, this is the price. If you guys don't want, you can find somebody yeah, exactly. else to do it at like, that point, right? You can ask somebody else, but it's probably going to be the same price. Well, if they're just Unless they're really just yeah. cheaper, you know? If it's like a GG boys or whatever, or yeah. someone just fly by night, they just want to take care of it. I mean, we've all driven around the city and you're seeing signs and certain things could be done at a certain price and hanging pot lights for 25 yeah. bucks. And I'm like, you can't even get a fixture for that cost. So, you yeah. know, a good fixture. You're not right getting here. any kind of a legal service fixture. warranty. Oh, yeah, yeah, warranties, all kinds. Of, I mean, there's, that's the beauty of construction. It's a learning process, man. Yeah. All right, Luke, we got to do the 12 questions, man. Thanks so much for the conversation. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. I'm sure Phil will enjoy this show. I'm sure he will. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy Duty Homes, uh, Site Super, IG, Heavy Duty Homes, Inc., and then find them online, heavydutyhomes.com, and then reach out to them at heavy at heavydutyhomes.com um, uh, on email. And then what's your favorite construction word? My Instagram's Vaughn Handyman first. <laughs> Favorite construction word? I would just say done. It's just so gratifying when just things done. are done, just finished. Done. Like I finished that job, move on to the next thing. Are you still doing it? You're still... Uh, no, no, like I definitely don't do it for any new clients. Like if an old client messages me and it's something small, that's not going to take very long because I don't have time anymore. Yeah. Like I have a three and a half year old and a two year old, and you're I work a home handyman now. Yeah, I work for heavy duty f morning till night. So and there's always like if I want to work more hours, I can. So if I want to make more money, I could just work more for heavy duty. Yeah. So it, unless I can do it in like an hour or two on the weekend, then I'm I'm not doing anything for anybody else. Um, yeah, it just takes too much time. You got a preferred Vaughn handyman black book. Of like of clients, of yeah, clients, which is like is, not right? very many. So if you were part of that, there's like maybe five people that if that if they message and want something, I'll say, okay, maybe I can fit it in. But not if it's like, not if it's a bigger job that like even if it's a bigger job that I would have done before, like takes it's time to be something quick. Like takes I'm not going to spend like two or three days at somebody's house. I'm going to spend like an hour or two kind of thing. Or if my my wife will take the kids to the cottage with uh, her parents so if i have a weekend then i might do something that takes a little bit longer but yeah. otherwise not yeah what's your least favorite tool uh i'll say drywall sander just because that means i'm sanding drywall yeah but you're talking about like what a, a dewalt or a festool like sander? a festool style one i just have like a super cheap plug-in one okay but it does the job what construction sounder do you love do I love? Yeah. Say probably a nail gun. Battery or pneumatic? Ooh. I have battery nail they gun, which I like, sounds. but the pneumatic is a better sound. Yeah, they make it's two a different nice sounds. 
It's the sound of accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, with ease. Uh, what's power. your What's your favorite beverage? Favorite beverage. It's alcoholic, probably rum and coke. What kind of rum? Sailor so. Jerry's. Sailor Jerry's. It's like know. a spiced rum. It's forty six percent, but it doesn't taste like it's forty six. Tastes like candy. Yeah. Yeah, I got to check it out then. What turns you on and off in construction? Uh, it's a both of those would be trades, sub trades, not answering their phone. Mm. Ignoring you, on would be, you know they're doing this, eh? yeah, uh, and or not returning calls at the end of the day or anything. Like if I call you and you're busy, okay, it's whatever. But like at the end of the day, call me back or at least send me a text or even the next day or something. Not answering is definitely a turn off, and answering is a turn on. Turn on, or at least sending a text. Hey, I'm busy right now. I'll call you back, and yeah. then actually calling back. Calling back because they said like I'll call you back, but then they never do. I think Apple or wherever should just like you know how you do the quick i'll call you later yeah i think there should be a notification automatically put into your phone that to call that person back yeah exactly because you forget you totally forget i have a lot of things like that i'll just go into my google calendar and say like you know this day i gotta do that gotta call this person or yeah whatever yeah yeah, trust me i agree with you what's your favorite curse word uh probably shit favorite vehicle in the entire world I don't really have one, but I'll say a pickup truck. When I had the gym, I used to bike to work all year round. So the first thing I got was a pickup truck. Did you see, I saw some guy invented a chainless bike. How does that work? It's like steps and the friction of steps. Like an elliptical kind of thing? Yeah, but it's a bicycle Oh, and there's no chain. So is it like a tube going to you? No, it's not. There's a tube. It's just literally just steps as you're pumping it. It turns the wheel. Is that a recent thing? That's a recent. That's that. brand new. And I the was only like, thing I've seen is the elliptico, which is like a standing elliptical. That's like a got wheels on it, but you're standing on it. Not I just saw it. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Because I cool, mean, yeah. I'm back of the day of clamp brakes and yeah. chains and chain coming off the sprockets and yeah. all kinds of shit. Bicycles nowadays are completely they're vehicles now. It's ridiculous yeah. how so many like electric scooters going around now. Can't believe it. Without licenses. Yeah. On the road. <laughs> on the sidewalk, on the road, wherever they feel like want to do it. Yeah, I get it. Um, what do you miss from your childhood? No responsibilities. Playing. Why can't we take that into adult? Mountain biking. Yeah. Yeah. Could take all that stuff. We could totally do it. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Uh. It's a really hard one for me. Like I always like doing different stuff. So to pick like one thing is really hard. So pick several. <sighs> That's even harder <laughs> to balancing <laughs> that. If it was in construction, the only thing I could, I don't know. At one point I wanted to be an electrician. Like when I first started the handyman stuff. Okay. Then I tried to get into the union. Then you needed physics, which I didn't have. And I wasn't going back to school or for the night course or whatnot. So it would either be electrical or framing, maybe. Outside of construction? I can't even think of anything. Nothing? What profession would you not like to do? Any kind of office job. Can't, I can't sit in an office all day. Uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? I guess that my kids love me. That's about it. 
my wife. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Appreciate yeah. you being, you know, spending the time and coming on the show, talking a little shop. Um, I know you're a busy guy. A lot of stuff's going on, so it's good to get you into the studio and just have a conversation. That was a good time. All right. Thanks so much, man. We're out of here. No Thanks, problem. Angelina.